0: 18 plus he's a retired u.s. colonel and a leading advocate for the development of non-lethal weapons he just wrote a book ufos myths conspiracies and realities and it's here at the conference you can purchase that and get that signed from him and he'll be talking about what's in this book so help me welcome dr john alexander
2: We got. Yeah, there we go. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, John Rao and the people from Open Minds for inviting me. This will probably be a little bit different from uh, many of the presentations that you've heard. Uh, it is based on a, a new book that has just come out uh, last week uh, that I wrote called UFOs: Myths, Conspiracies, and Realities. Um, the uh, it's interesting what happened, I got uh, Jacques Vallée, I'm sure everybody knows Jacques, uh, he did the uh, foreword. Uh, Tom Clancy, that you may know, is a friend of mine. Actually, I actually asked him for a blurb, and he came in with what we can now call commentary. How many know Bert Rutan? You know, We've got a couple of hands out there. Uh, that's really kind of key, because Bert is one of the aerospace giants. He's one of the go-to guys. Uh, Time Magazine had him listed as uh, in the 100 most influential people of the last century. Uh, first thing was circumnavigating the world, unrefueled, unstopped, and he won the Ansari x Prize for putting a man into space. So what's interesting, He's a very straight aerospace guy, and in his uh, introduction, discusses his sighting, which uh, could be hard for some of the skeptics to uh, take on. Uh, It's kind of a position statement that uh, obviously, by definition, UFOs must be real, uh, but that does not say what they are. And I spent a lot of time, by the way, the first line of the book is unequivocally, UFOs are real. So let me start with that position so you know what it is going in. I have a lot of trouble trying to describe, you know, the so what and how do we understand the full breadth of the experiences that we see. I usually put this slide up and say there are three things you need if you're going to be involved in this field. Uh, First of all, you you better have a sense of humor because you're going to be attacked. I'm already getting hate mail from three sources, Uh, the the pro-UFO side who doesn't like my position, the skeptics who don't like my position, and most recently the religious right who thinks uh, these things should not be involved. Uh, secondly, you better have a day job or be independently wealthy because I don't know of uh, any of the speakers up here who are making, you know, tons of money. Oh, I see uh, Stan nodding back there, maybe he's going to the bank and all that. But finally, you better understand conspiracy theory because you're part of it. You either believe there is a conspiracy or if you don't believe the conspiracy, then you're part of the cover-up. <laughs> uh, uh, there's a wide range of, uh, of belief systems. Uh, I, I don't suspect there's many down here. And I put debunkers versus skeptics, and I think everybody understands that. Up through, do UFOs exist? And we have crashes, land them, uh, reverse engineering, and finally, aliens uh, are among us. So I'm gonna address uh, many of those. Uh, one of the first things I take on, in fact, I have a whole chapter on the Condon Report, it's kind of interesting because actually Condon was right. Because the question to Condon was not, are there UFOs? It was, are they a threat? And we haven't had an invasion, so on that. that said, if you read the body of the report, not that bad, it's pretty good. But the problem is Condon himself did the summary and conclusions we were a pregone uh, conclusions. Well, the biggest problem uh, with this is that uh, the impact that it's had on uh, other folks. Now, the Air Force got what they wanted. What they wanted was to pass an action. An action passed is an action handled. And of course, one of the, the, what's problem is, right here, the scientific community assumes that this was a deep, serious study. The reality is, it wasn't that good, and it's certainly, uh, you see, the, the conclusions are even inconsistent with the body of the report. But the impact that this has had on other scientists and scientists getting involved is just really significant. Uh, Steve, are you here? Ah, uh, this doesn't show up very well. This was actually taken at the X conference when Steve Bassett and I were uh, in a debate, Photoshopped and that. And, uh, but the point is, in my view, this uh, UFOs are not the greatest story ever told. And we keep hearing about, we want disclosure, we want disclosure, and I argue, you know, frankly, disclosure has happened. And they say, why don't we hear from the White House? Well, you have. Uh, I'll go through these kind of quickly. You've got, uh, starting with Truman, saying, you know, this is a real thing. Uh, here's another one with uh, the uh, Twining memo that came out about the same time. Said this is not a, a uh, hallucination or visionary. These, these are real. Started out as a classified paper, but later uh, made public. Reagan, uh, Reagan saw them. He was on an airplane, went out and chased them, and uh, also spoke to it. Uh, not just American presidents. Gorbachev uh, has come out and made a statement. And said, UFOs do exist and are real. Uh, you get into the military, Lord Hill Norton, many of you know the writings that he's had, said the same thing, basically the evidence is pretty much overwhelming that there is something real going on. Now, uh, de Brower, and uh, in several of the books, uh, you know, he, he was a lieutenant colonel, was out actually chasing uh, UFOs, a really a fantastic case went on to become the deputy chief of uh, Air Force of the Belgian Air Force, and the same thing. You know, they find that uh, basically UFOs are real. Uh, this is my friend, some of you heard Coast to Coast the other night, it was on with uh, George Knapp. This is General Maltsoff, uh saying, you know, skeptics can take this as official confirmation existence of UFOs. What is so amazing about that statement, and that, that one really is different, is that Maltsev's predecessor was fired when a young German flew a Cessna and landed near Red Square, okay? So the guy gets fired, predecessor fired for letting a Cessna in, and here his successor comes in and says, these things are flying around and you know, not much we can do about that. Uh, same thing with his boss. There's a Russian four-star general coming out and saying, phenomena's real. Uh, the Duke of Edinburgh, uh, same thing. There are many reasons to believe that the UFOs uh, are real. Uh, get into space. Uh, Herman Oberth, who's known as kind of the, the father of space flight, uh, same sorts of things. Coming up with a statement that says, I've examined the arguments for flying saucers. The conclusion is that they do exist. Uh, we get into religion. We'll talk about a, religion a, a little bit more. Uh, but the same thing, here you have the Vatican coming out and saying, yep, you know, we, we have no problem with uh, extraterrestrial entities out there and UFOs. So my point is this, you know, how many of these things do we have to have before people say, oh, yeah, we, they have had disclosure. Here are, you know, some of the countries uh, that have been, uh, have come out. Uh, And there's a couple of key ones. Of course, uh, the Brits and the French. We've got Russians, Uh, AJ just left, Brazilians, Chile. So what happened? Now, what what we heard from the proponents on this that if we had disclosure, it was going to be so terrible that we would have social disorder. It would be breakdown because, you know, the world population couldn't uh, stand it. So this is, this happened. But this happened because of a cartoon written about the prophet uh, that appeared in, uh, in Europe and had these, this kind of uh, impact all over the world. So that didn't happen. So what did happen? Basically, this is kind of the response that uh, you've gotten. It's sort of like, it's out there, but and one of the things I tell people, and the problem I have with these kind of groups, the people who would come here are intensely interested in the issues. You're a very small minority. Now, 70% of the people at least believe in UFOs, but for most of them, it's like they're, they're interested but ambivalent. Interesting, it's out there, but again, not the greatest story ever told. The other problem is they, uh, you know this is going to change uh, change the paradigm. It would shift everything. No, it won't. You know con- confirmation of what you already believe is not a paradigm shift. Okay, and yet everybody talks about you know this is going to just it doesn't change everything. And like Victoria says, does this mean I have to go to school tomorrow? Yes, you do. <laughs> now. There are a group of folks who say ETs are here and among us. And I've taken most of this slide and the next couple of slides and briefing Most of my briefings that I do are on geotransformational changes as they affect uh, national, international security and, you know, what's happening in the world. But we hear that ET is here, and they're here to help us. And so I argue, you know, if they're here to help us, you know, what happens in all of these cases, You know, he's certainly not here to help earthlings. With friends like this, you know, who needs enemies? The next one, uh, I do a lot of work here in uh, poverty. The issue on, uh, you know, the paradox that we have as we've seen the world's wealth increase, poverty is increasing simultaneously. Uh, These are pictures that I've taken uh, all over the world. Uh, One of the things you have, a billion people living on less than a dollar a day. Uh, this is a picture I took in Kabul, Afghanistan, and what you see there is this trash pile, and then down below here are some kids pumping water. Point is, they haven't got Sanitation 101 yet. All right, uh, this is the Ganges River. Uh, my my finger is saved, although they said don't, don't even touch the water. It is so contaminated, yet this is the water, main water source for 100 million people. Uh, my point here is, If E.T. is here to help us, you know, poverty you think might be one of the issues. How about food? This is what's going on uh, right now around the world. Uh, In 2008, UN said we got the perfect storm arising because of shortages of food for a whole host of reasons. We've got at least a billion people in the world who are hungry. As of last month, the food index, uh, food price index in the world is the highest that it has ever been. Um, without getting off into those things, the point is, if ET is here to help us, here's some pretty good starting points, and we certainly haven't seen any uh, indication of it. So we say, compared to what? If you can't see it uh, down here, this line, is uh, 14 trillion uh, dollars uh, uh, Anybody know what that is? Yeah. 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 That's the national debt as of today. At some time today, our national debt passed through that. These numbers down there are just spinning. Uh, the point is that uh, when you go to war, you've got foreclosure, we've got uh, global problems out there. What is it that you want our political leaders to be focused on? Uh, this is one that, uh, because they, they talk about DOD here, uh, This uh, Sergeant Vogler, just uh, is coming home, he was on his 12th combat tour, a long time ago, Sergeant Major, I do a lot of work in special operations, this uh, head of Sergeant, uh, this was four years ago when they said, we now have people who have been in combat, in combat longer than anybody in World War II. So the point here is, you know, this is, he was killed on his 12th combat tour. He was actually killed in Afghanistan. So tell me where you think UFOs fit on the DOD uh, priority list. Now, let's talk about disclosure, and I have kind of made up this uh, gradient. It says the kinds of disclosure that could happen run from uh, s- lo- small and far away, in other words, a signal, a low level confirmation, high visibility to a hostile encounter. Uh, Low visibility kind of thing, low low impact, either a weak signal, and everybody I think knows about the wow signal and and things of that nature, Uh, biological uh, organisms, single cell, unicellular life, things of this nature. What happens with it? If you don't know what's going to happen, we already know. This has happened and happened repeatedly. Uh, You get about a day or two, it pops up as, you know, one of the items in the news. Uh, You then have a few conferences uh, where experts get together and and discuss it. And then there's some journals that uh, come out. So if if disclosure is uh, based on uh, small things far away, it's it's kind of interesting what happened because this actually did happen on uh, 2 December of, of this year. Uh, and it was discovery you might have heard about, you know, they were talking about arsenic being found and it might be the base.
0: Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond
1: com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and
2: conditions 18 plus. like Coincidentally, it just happened to be when the NASA budget was up for review that the, they suddenly discovered this and, and put it out. I don't know. May, maybe you read about it. You know, there were a few articles in this here, but that tells you pretty much what that type of disclosure would happen. Disclosure with moderate uh, impact, well, what happens? This is UFO sightings. I think you're familiar, with, oops, well, <laughs> I take some heat over that one. But this is one where you say we've got some pretty sustained sightings and people see things and they report. So what happens is, yeah, you get some news meetings, you have they reported, move on. You used to have Larry King, but the producer who was supporting that's no longer with them. But basically, disclosure of this nature is what we'd call the status quo. You know, not much change has happened. We know exactly what will happen because that's ongoing uh, at the moment. Now, what would happen if you had an event, and I picked, uh, you know, like the day the Earth stood still. You got this big craft sitting down there, ET comes out, or somebody comes out, has contact and whatnot. What would, uh, you know, how would that be responded to? Again, I don't see this as going to be people flying off the handle, some interest. And what I'm saying is the model here for the news release on this is pretty much like 9-11. I think most of you were around and probably saw it. If you remember what happened for the first few hours, it was non-stop news. Cameras were on, watching the building, switching back and forth. Within a relatively short period of time, that changed and you had ads starting to creep in. Uh, It was the main story and then gradually it, uh, it kind of fades away. Uh, now, one of the reasons that I say disclosure uh, of any even significant magnitude is not going to have a major impact, it's going to re- uh, resolve itself pretty quickly, is this. Uh, the driving factors are going to be things like, you know, food supplies, energy, uh, petroleum. I mean, you let the, well, you've probably seen right now you know, what's happening in uh, Libya throughout the Middle East. Uh, and heard on the way down that gas hit, or oil hit uh, uh, $97 a barrel. You can bet the uh, pumps are going to be going up by tomorrow. Um, but the point is that most of these supplies that are put in are what we call just in time. You don't have uh, grocery stores that have huge inventories. If they're not constantly resupplied, and that of course means that you're going to have to have drivers, you're going to have to get out, people are going to have to go out and do that. Uh, in other words, the, the issues of real life are going to take over and dominate things uh, very quickly, and these are the drivers that will cost it, cause it. Now, what if you have what I call a catastrophic encounter? You know, we're going to have war with uh, E.T. or uh, something of that nature. Uh, Any of those events. This is what's not going to happen, okay? You know, Will Sigourney and uh, Tom Cruise are not going to come out and save us. Uh, As I say, there is no good answer uh, to this sort of thing if you're involved in a hostile one. One of the things, we keep, and you might have watched videos uh, constantly, we're going to fight the ET and I. If ET understands physics as well as we sort of think that they might, they probably also un- understand biology. And if they understand biology, then they would know that contrary to all these things about they need us for our genes and DNA and all this, no, you don't, you know what you would do is they would start raising their own. And so uh, the notion that they need us for hubris uh, and that, why fight? You know, the, the object would be, if they want to depopulate the world, fighting us is a real tough way to go about it. You can get hurt doing that. They could do all of this with a biological attack that would not. So as I say, E.T. says no to free-range humans, even if they're here to eat us or whatnot. So if it's a catastrophic encounter, you know, forget it. We lose. Also, and I'm sure you're gonna hear about this, we're at uh, war with E.T., absolutely not a shred of evidence that supports that, uh, the notion that uh, we, or anybody in the world know is that knows, we, we love E.T. Now the religious thing has come up uh, repeatedly, I throw this up. my wife here, Victoria, did a uh, survey. And we had people pontificating for a long time about how this is gonna destroy religion and all of those sorts of things. So she did the first, there's been some others since then, where they went out and they said, okay, let's actually ask theologians what they would do and how they would respond. And uh, this was the first study, there's, there's been some others, so contrary to con- conventional wisdom, no, bad things don't happen. Uh, for, mo- for the most part, the theologians, uh, and by the way, this was just because of numerical practicality or statistical significance that we were talking to Catholic, uh, Protestant, and uh, Jewish uh, rabbis, uh, but basically they said no big deal. Uh, except for the Jesuits who said, ah, more converts, you know, there's nothing we can do here. So. <laughs> now, the other thing that we hear constantly is that E.T. is spiritually evolved. Well, that's kind of interesting, but it's also counterintuitive. One of the things that we've seen, as we have been uh, become more scientifically oriented, they've also become more secular, and you've seen tremendous declines in the uh, advanced world of, uh, of uh, people, you know, attending church, so this assumption that they've somehow worked out all of these uh, uh, theological issues is not necessarily supported by any data going in. Now here's one of the problems uh, that we have in talking to, between the public and the scientific community, and in my book I go into this uh, whole lengthy thing on uh, People want to do the POTUS briefing, like somehow the president is going to wave a wand and everything's going to flow out. And my argument is there, is be careful what you wish for. But the point here is that when you look at the, the belief in psychic phenomena and a lot of them in UFOs, you find about 70% of the public believes in these things. Now, one of the reasons they believe in them, by the way, is they do it. As you know, I've done a lot of work in near-death experiences and familiar with remote viewing and a number of those things. So, A vast percentage of the population have actually had these kinds of personal experiences that become drivers. Uh, if you look at the professors uh, across the board, it uh, drops down closer to 50%. When you get here into some of the hard sciences, uh, aeronautics and astronautics, it are down to 30%. But the last one over here, NAS is the National Academy of Science. Okay? When you get into these people who are supposed to be the premier scientists, and quite frankly, I've worked with them, so I, I know these guys. Actually, I found them to be a little bit more open than you might suspect, that there's this 4% level. But the issue here is you can see this great, I've called it a cavernous gulf, between the belief systems of the general public and the scientific community. A lot of issues there. So what are the biggest failures? I, I think in the huge issue is, in general, the people studying ufology and making use of it do not know how the system works, and I'm not going to take that one on in great uh, detail. Certainly a lack of critical thinking and ergo, what I call ergofusion. I'm going to address that in just a minute. <clears throat> and the point here that uh, are, are just simply not important to most people in the compared to what, compared to what I'm doing in my life and eating and you know, where I want to go. Uh, Ergofusion is a word that I coined, I actually got it published in uh, Harvard International Review and some other uh, prestigious journals, and I called it the misidentification of causal relationships, meaning if A, therefore B, and that's the way we tend to think. And this, of course, is the guy, for the shooter from Fort Hood. And so what we tend to do is to blame guns. Uh, In the non-lethal, you know, the technology causes bad behavior. No, technology is, you know, guns don't kill people, people kill people. Sometimes they use guns in the process and all that. In my uh, non-lethal weapons world, I ran into this article saying they used OC, which is pepper spray, just like you know, Cyclone B in the uh, Nazi death camp. No, these are radically different kinds of things. I also point out that all slopes are slippery. I say, well, if we start down this slope, it's going to be slip. All slopes are slippery. Now, in this arena, uh, the UFOs, uh, just because you have a UFO doesn't mean they come from, you know, advanced uh, worlds. The, uh, because the White House asked a question, does not suggest that therefore you have secret programs uh, ongoing, and uh, the spies. Um, this is one, uh, I saw an email from uh, Stan the other day saying I had missed the uh, Bolander uh, memo in there. Uh, and I don't think it's incongruent. Uh, by the way, I, said, I told him it would be two bold. this is actually Bill Bolander, but the point is that because you have these kinds of documents there, and particularly things like the JANUP 146, which says, report things that are a threat. And the difference here is they are interested in threats as opposed to just ET or things of of that nature. Um, Same thing here. Um, There's an issue that I'll get to. This is Jim Woolsey, who was the director of uh, Central Intelligence. And he made an individual request to get some information That does not infer that the agency has institutional responsibility, and I talk a lot about that and the difference between individual interest and institutional uh, responsibility, got to understand how they work. Another one is, I keep seeing them drag out documents from the 1950s and say, therefore, there's current interest in the area. Not necessarily true. Uh, a friend of ours, uh, John Peterson, who knew Jim Woolsey, uh, asked him, "You know, Sands, uh, I, I told you he'd make it. <laughs> um, you know, you've seen his briefings out there with all the redacted stuff, and quite frankly, the redactions that were in there just don't make sense. Never did. You know, bad PR and the wrong." But uh, uh, John, again, knew Woolsey, asked him, he said, so he sent out a memo and said, tell me about this in, internally. You know, what do we know? And so Gerald Haynes, who was the historian for NRO, got tasked with it, and basically came back and said, yeah, you know, there's not much new on here, and no, this is not a surprise. Uh, his bottom line there was, you know, like the JFK, uh, uh, assass- uh, assassination conspiracy theories, the UFO issue will probably not go away no matter uh, what the agency says or does. The other thing that I thought is really telling the, in one of the footnotes of that memo, uh, you, there was a thing there that said, oh, the, the CIA actually had a UFO crisis response team. Um, that's interesting, but they'll you know, the follow online, and by the way, they've never met. So that ought to tell you something about you know the level of uh, priority it was given. The lesson uh, for ufologists that I have is you need to learn about Occam, because I hear these you know convoluted conspiracy theories when really simple answers tend to uh, address that. Uh, egocentrism, you know, this is one thing. Now I think everybody in the room, and well, no, I won't speak for everybody. A lot of people in this community, of course, assume that ET is going to come here and deal with America. Uh, When you look at that from an external perspective, you say, well, maybe not. Why would they choose us? Uh, We are one of 196 countries. We are only 4% of the global population, 6% of the land mass, uh, 2% of the global surface uh, of the Earth, uh, you know, 70% of that, you might have the ungoverned areas. And then, to make people really uncomfortable, when I say maybe they'd choose a rising power like China, Brazil, or India, instead of the declining one. Now, we also have uh, the problem of interaction between humans and non-human entities. And we have the whole abduction scenario and all that. Really kind of interesting, but the point here, is that there have been interactions reported between humans and nonhumans as long as human history has been recorded. Adding UFOs to that, or UFO abductions, is really relatively new. Just kind of a piece of that uh, puzzle. Uh, In the book I talk about something, a a group that I put together uh, called the Advanced Theoretical Physics Group. I'm going to go through some of these very quickly because we're going to have actually talks on many of the cases that were involved. What I did is we we started and tried to figure out what was going on. Uh, The people were all by invitation.
1: Jumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. forward prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for
2: details. Only you had to have top secret SCI uh, level clearances. They came from the military, uh, the, uh, all of the lettered agencies, aerospace industry. It was an old boy net, had to know who they were to uh, participate. Uh, there were no written documents. Uh, I have since learned that at least a couple of people went back and had kept notes uh, even though they weren't supposed to do that. Uh, and a few of them have been made uh, public. Uh, I mentioned in the book that Richard Dolan has some uh, some of the dates listed, they could be true, uh, but that's just a tiny percentage of the, not, some of those were what you call plenary sessions of the folks who got together. There were many, many, many more uh, sessions. But what we found was certainly not what we uh, expected. Going in we'd kind of heard the rumors that most of you had. This was a suspected scenario. Had been a crash, uh, people looked at us and said, what the hell, can't figure this out, put it away, we'll come and pick up the pieces in 50 years and look in and see what we've got. Uh, now, there are, and I want to point this out, there are some very, very strong cases. And the point here is, I got some emails saying, these are people who see things that you know other people don't. My point here is in the multi-sensory data, you know, basically every sensor system we have picks them up sometimes. So certainly photography, and the problem now, of course, with digital photography, you can fake anything, and almost impossible to tell it. But, you know, every sensor system we have out there does pick them up that you uh, end up uh, with, you know, as we know, 95% have prosaic answers that uh, lead to other explanation. but when you get done, there are just some of them that d- defy any rational uh, explanation. In the end, you've got high, uh, multi-sensory data, and you've got highly competent uh, witnesses. Won't talk much to this. I know Chuck is gonna be here. Penniston, Burroughs are, are here. Uh, this, I believe, is one of the strongest cases that's coming along, probably about 80 witnesses now, many of them in the PRP, um, that's the Personal Reliability Programming. These guys were taking P-tests and had psychological tests and uh, about as well-known as, as you could get. Um, and again, this case, uh, there's a lot more to it. Uh, it. It actually went on for probably over a month or, or more but a very, very strong case. One of the things that has uh, got my attention recently is the press and how they picked up, I don't know how many times this case has been solved. Uh, There was one uh, a few months ago where a guy was out burning manure and they said his his manure wagon, he caught fire at night and and that solved it, which is, you know, just utter nonsense. Most recently, and, and this one just came out, was that they said it's a, uh, they had dropped a capsule from uh, one of the Apollo capsules, not that any of them were lost or anything, but uh, this is, you know, December of last year, And and the news media picks up on this crap. I mean, and it's just, you know, you'd say common sense tells you this can't be accurate, and yet it's like any answer that they can have that anybody can throw out, you know, will anything but, you know, we'll, we'll deal with this, really. Just utter nonsense. Uh, Phoenix Lights, another great case. Uh, Lynn Katai is here. I'd recommend her books on the topic. Again, thousands of witnesses, and as you know, including the, uh, the governor himself. Of course, what he did, uh, <clears throat> go out here, it's utterly unconscionable. Uh, knowing, you know, gave out, you know, false information to intentionally mislead the public. He said, well, we did it to calm them down and that. But again, thousands of, and again, not a single case. This is another one she has that goes on for years. Uh, Golf Breeze. Um, this was a, a great case. Hundreds of witnesses. One of the things I liked about this was when it first came out. The the uh, editor of the uh, Golf Breeze newspaper was at it and was going to looking at the uh, pictures, and he had them laid out. and His parents came in and said, "Oh, those look like the things we saw." And they said, he said, you know, if I can't believe my parents, who do I trust? Uh, and well, yeah, there is kind of a cute MIB story involving me on that one, but uh, a, a lot of uh, evidence supporting aspects of that case. Of course, the coin helicopter case you're probably familiar with. When the people say satellites own capsule, yes, they do. Um, this is a satellite that's sitting in geosynchronous orbit, meaning way out in space, very cold, and what you see here is this line coming down, and you see that it tends to get darker. What that means is that this camera sitting out there, looking at the Earth, field of view is the Earth, something that was very hot flew by it and turned and went down towards the Earth. Uh, Did get picked up, did get investigated, and it was a, what the hell? Uh, again, another one that has been researched many times and supported, Dick Haynes has done a lot of work on that, the Belgium flap. Um, and by the way, I, when I said this, when I was uh, working with uh, NATO studies uh, over there, had a chance to talk to them, and frankly, they were asking us, you know, like, is, you know, are these yours? <laughs> no. Uh, this one is, is another good case. I've got, this, I've got a whole chapter that includes these things, but this particular one is uh, fairly well known. You we have the B-2 fly over the UFO that's uh, sitting on the ground. You've got witnesses that are, of course, in the B-52. You've got radar sightings up there. You've got the uh, uh, people who are also on the ground uh, seeing the thing and reporting it. Uh, what happened with that with Blue Book is really uh, kind of interesting because uh, quintanilla just kind of farted it off and which upset these people and was one of the reasons why Blue Book did not get the qualifications they should have. We have thousands of uh, pilot sightings, um, but like in the military, one of the things that happens here is reporting UFOs is not career enhancing. And that's also perceived to be uh, true for pilots as well. There have been armed uh, interactions, uh, and this is why, uh, you know, we had some, uh, almost had some congressional hearings we were unsuccessful in doing that for other reasons, uh, but we based it on two things. That was the interaction with strategic uh, nuclear systems and airline uh, safety issues. But I think you're familiar with, uh, with these cases, um, certainly the one with Milton Torres, and I'll, I'll come back to that one, is really quite, uh, quite interesting. Uh, I use this as firsthand, to, to some of the people that I dealt with, uh, Teller. Uh, this is a Teller at dinner with Hal Putoff, explaining zero-point energy to him. He was involved, he found Cash Landrum case quite interesting because of the uh, radiation issues that were attached. Uh, Ben Rich, if you don't know him, was the head of the Skunk Works. Uh, Contrary to some of the crap I'm seeing on the blogs here, this was not a casual one time, walked up, talked to him. Uh, Rather, he actually appointed somebody to uh, help our research. And Ben was the go-to guy. He is the guy who built the SR-71. He had been with uh, Kelly Johnson when they built the U-2, brought you the uh, stealth fighter, the F-117. And that's why people said, you know, if anybody knows, you know, he's got to be in the loop. And um, uh, he had a shopping list. So, I want the propulsion system and and a few other things. My confidence level is very, very high. I mentioned in the book that we started out and I had, um, uh, I ended up, well, not ended up. At one point, uh, we went to the director of SDI. Uh, Jim Abramson, because at that time it was the biggest program in the military. It was a five billion dollar program. And I tell the story in, the, in there that, you know, we, we came in, he had not been pre briefed, so he didn't know what the topic was, so he started talking, and I, had, I was the one running it, and introduced everybody, I had people from different agencies, and we started talking about five minutes ago, wait a minute, a minute who are you guys really? You know, this was just, believe me, not on their scope. So it was interesting where we got to at the end. Uh, We had gone to him for some money. We had decided to move this from an ad hoc thing to try and make it more formalized. And uh, his answer was, uh, you know, basically I won't touch. He says, I'm doing some hairy stuff. And Congress is already after my budget. And if I get caught playing with something like this, my budget's going to get really hit. He he did get hit for a billion dollars, so it was a pretty good hit. Uh, but as the uh, position later was, you know, as a fighter pilot, this is kind of interesting. And if you can tell me what to look for, I'll, I'll consider uh, doing that, but nothing formally. Uh, this is a guy I've now exposed. A friend of mine who died very suddenly uh, last July. It was kind of tragic. I had talked to him on a Monday. And on Wednesday, I got an email from his son saying Dean had died uh, but this is one of my, it was one of my key sources. And the point here is that uh, Dean Judd was the chief scientist of SDI. And I can tell you there was absolutely nothing about SDI that had to do with uh, looking out for ET. He had also been the National Intelligence Officer for Science and Technology. That's the number one guy in all the intelligence community where science and technology comes together. Had been on the Air Force Science Board and that. And We spent a lot of time uh, discussing these issues. A true skeptic, but the point was, you know, does not uh, fall into the category. Now, another guy who's helped me, particularly recently, is Bill Coleman. Bill's interesting because he was the chief of public information for the Air Force when uh, Blue Book was on. And he can explain a lot of the things that happened, like what happened at Holloman, and confiscating film, and uh, thoughts, uh, you know, the, the NASA film that got confiscated by Cooper, one, very prosaic answer. What's interesting is when he took the job, he had to be interviewed by the secretary, and he says, uh, I'm not ambivalent about this. And in the book, we go into considerable detail about a sighting that he had that was very dramatic. I mean, they got down, he's in a B-25, chasing a UFO across the ground. He says it's it's, uh, uh, in uh, Mississippi, Alabama area over plowed fields and it is so low that dust trails are coming up from the UFO and they can see it. Uh, Interestingly, he, he went back and he reported it And when he went to the Pentagon to work in information, he he could see all the blue book files. And even though he'd filed it, it did not show up in the blue book file. Point here is not some huge conspiracy, but rather people made up their mind as what they wanted to send in. This is not a high priority job uh, for Air Force officers, you know, outside of the, the main office. Uh, I just offer this one as the only negative experience that I really had. Walt LaBerge has since died, developed the AIM-9 mission, and we went in and uh, I had a briefing with a science board that he was chairing. He went around the question, it was very quiet, and he jumped up and slams down and just jumped up and yelled, you're not supposed to know that, that's what you learn when you die. And I said, oh, I thought we were having a science meeting here. but..." Um, Uh, It was kind of interesting because that's the only time I had a really adverse reaction. By the way, one of the things I did when I was talking to I I went nose to nose with either the head or the deputy of all of the lettered agencies, and then I tried to get them a little pregnant. So when I left, I would always ask for something, and always got it, you know, and never big things, but just to get them, you know, actively involved. Uh, Frankly. I think the ET hypothesis is too narrow. Um, you know, the little grays are coming here from Zeta Reticuli, really kind of interesting. But you, you have a lot of problems, uh, and I'm not sure even a crash would uh, pr- prove ET. One of the problems you have is, what's a UFO? We discuss these from little balls of light to huge craft, you know, more than a mile across that are seen and and respond on data, and everything in between. And therein lies part of the problem. It is this everything in between. What are you talking about? How do we define these kinds of issues? And if you believe all the different kinds of things that come in there, we must be on, you know, like the Hollywood star map, the Earth must be on the ET star map of places to go visit. Uh, Apollo, I I have a whole chapter on Apollo. Um, I will mention that uh, Edgar and I disagree on this one, although I I forwarded the chapter to him when I wrote it uh, and said, are there any technical errors? And he said, no, it's uh, technically uh, correct. Now the point is, Apollo was about far more than going to the moon. Apollo was about establishing American technical dominance in the world. We had 4% of our GDP was going into Apollo at that time. That's equivalent to what we've been uh, shelling out on the global war on terror. Huge amounts of money, nothing left to chance. So these were the folks that I knew and was able to talk to uh, firsthand. And they all came up with the same thing. Even uh, Ed Mitchell, who thinks that Roswell was real and supports it and that, says, There was nothing ever mentioned about this. And I will say, if you go to NASA, they're overtly hostile uh, to the topic. Um, And if you ask them about him, they say he's a great American, we just uh, disagree. But the point is, they had contingency plans for everything. And if you remember, those of you old enough to remember, when they first came back from the first uh, trips, uh, they went into isolation for weeks under the possibility that they might have, uh, you know, found a a unicellular bug out there of some kind that we weren't privy to on Earth. Uh, There was absolutely no information about, you know, if E.T.'s there, invite him to the White House for lunch. You know, no contingency plans whatsoever. Contrary to popular belief, there are global treaties, we are a signatory to it, that says if E.T., you must have instantaneous global release of the information. And we can argue why, yeah, you would do that. Um, I do address the issue of Corso. We can uh, take that one on if you want. The biggest problem is in the technology areas, no matter how you cut it, none of that happened. And there is a straight line of progression of the technology development uh, across the board. I sent him a seven-page letter, it is Appendix A in the book, by page, somebody wrote said, what page is it on, and I said, well, I, I counted 93 overt errors, and they were from little things like, it's Adelphi, Maryland, not Adelphia, to no, the Cold War was not a cover for fighting E.T., and lots of things uh, in between. It's significant because this book sold more and probably influence more people than any UFO book uh, in history. Large institutions, well, the point here is they they serve themselves, their primary interest is retaining power. Uh, The golden rule is who makes the golden rule, but the point is that they're requirements-based systems, and the issue is, No matter what you think about what ought to be researched, there is no Department of Good Ideas. So the Defense Department deals with threats. And they got a pass with the Condon Report. Condon Report said, no threats, said we don't do that, set it aside. Um, I'm going to have to pick, yeah, probably pick it up a bit. My point here in the presidential paradox is that there were a number of presidential elections that were squeaky close. I cannot believe that if somebody who was privy to the information that if it were necessary to swing an election, it would have come out. There's just absolutely no doubt about that. And yet you don't do it. And, And somehow the logic goes, but this is so special. This is special beyond any other information, I think. No, it's not. Uh, some suggest that, uh, of course, Eisenhower possibly met with them. I use this as the uh, presidential, I actually put this out slightly before the uh, 2008 election uh, because I think the majority of businesses, certainly in aerospace, uh, wanted McCain to win. And certainly if anybody had the information, I put this out before, you're going to get October surprise, it would have come out then, uh, but it didn't. Uh, the logic problem is you're competing for the most powerful place or position on Earth. You have the direction of all of the intelligence agencies. You have you can control and start wars, and yet somebody wants to tell me that they don't allow, you know, POTUS, the president, access to the information. And I hear a lot about this. Unacknowledged. i you got another slide on here about. Yeah, you know, uh, unacknowledged special access programs. Sorry, I've seen this report. The president is the commander in chief. The d- Defense Department works under that. Now the DNI has it. Um, that is how the system works. And, you know, this secret is supposedly different from everything else. I don't believe that. Hoaxes, I just want to mention it. Hoaxes are not benign. And I would hope that you know, if you have a chance to influence your local media or whatever, to understand that they actually do significant damage, and it really is something that needs to be uh, uh, taken on. Uh, this is one. Uh, this, these were the balloons, and ho ho ho, we were doing a social experiment. Actually, they were putting uh, uh, flares in balloons and sending them up. I don't know if some of you remember back to World War II, but that was how the Japanese were planning to attack the United States, and they actually had plans to put balloons aloft and light our forests uh, on fire. Um, Not benign. There are real cover-ups. However, cover-ups are not unintentional, lack of knowledge, or uh, stupidity. And unfortunately, most of the information that you get falls into one of those uh, categories. And here's some real examples of things. Watergate, of course, uh, the Gulf of Tonkin, LSD experiments, Milai. but the point here, the, the common factor in all of them is they're, they're known. So don't confuse cover-ups with ruin. Majestic, uh, I have, I, Majestic may have been real, one of the things I address in the book, but it is not anything to do with UFOs. And yes, Stan, we'll arm wrestle over that one. So, but, uh, you know, even the guy who made the the documents. By the way, if you go on in the National Archives, uh, there are two sets of documents that are up there for review. They are so commonly requested. One's the JFK assassination, and the other's MJ-12. And they go into it uh, in uh, exquisite detail as to uh, um, you know, why they do not believe any of those. back. Interestingly, I filed my own for you, and in there I said, this is not a UFO request, and it came back with the standard Pat UFO thing anyway. So, is there a cover-up? One of the things I do is compare Watergate to uh, Majestic 12. How is it done? If you go to Watergate, First of all, they went to the Washington Post. They had direct contact. Uh, we later found out it wasn't until recently that Mark Felt was in fact Deep, uh, deep Throat. Uh, this guy had his identity vi- uh, vetted. You know, as a he was a deputy director of uh, FBI at the time. Went to young reporters, but they had a national reputation already. They had massive resources behind them to go ahead and and do, you know, vet the process and find out what happened. Of course, the president was eventually uh, uh, held responsible. Now, you want me to believe here on the other side that, you know, the documents get dropped in a mailbox someplace uh, from an anonymous source that still, you know, hasn't come forward. They go to relatively unknown people, have no experience, no resources, and uh, you know, that they held they responsible. Now, all I ask you is, say hey, now you're, you've got a secret, and it is super secret, and you want to get it out. What process are you going to use to get that information in, you know, into the public hands? So who are they? Well, the answer is just about everybody. There are government secrets, uh, and they have eventually uh, been revealed. I haven't got time to go into all of them. But the point is, none of them, uh, to get revealed, were dropped in a mailbox someplace. Uh, this is the one that I mentioned about the unacknowledged, especially the huge black budgets. I'm sorry, black, there are black budgets. I don't know if I'm even supposed to say that, but there are black budgets out there. There are people who have oversight and there are others who view for this, and they fight for that money just as intently as for people in the white world. It is highly competitive, and though there's not big pots of money that are sitting off someplace that are totally unaccounted for. Um, As I said, people want POTUS, the president, to make a decision. So again, I'll I'll go back to a comparison. Let's compare how they made a decision to uh, do the atomic bomb because that's not well understood, and we'll compare that with ARV, the uh, alien reproduction vehicle. So you went to, you had uh, years of hard science in uh, nuclear physics. You had Einstein, one of hundreds of people who wrote a letter uh, to Roosevelt at the time. Roosevelt considered it. Most people think that Einstein wrote the letter and and, uh, Roosevelt blessed it. Not true. What he said is, let's have a study. And they did the study, and the study came back and said, yeah, you really ought to do this. And so they did, and they had the board, and he approved it. So now you say, okay, we got years of anecdotes. you got somebody going to go to take this to, uh, to the president. Um, so suppose you get that, there's a whole thing on how you'd have to, what you'd have to jump through the, the hoops uh, in order, before you ever got to, to that level. But let's suppose you're right. So what he does, he appoints a board, and the board considers it. Now who is this? Not UFO researchers, I guarantee you. Nobody who's been involved in UFOs at all is gonna touch this. It's gonna go back to the National Academy of Science. Remember that slide a while back that said, what's the belief system of the National Academy of Science? They're the guys you're giving this to. You can imagine what they're gonna come up with. The point here is it's going to be worse than not. I think what you'd get is Condon 2, a very negative report. And not only would you not get what you want then, it would then be used as a hammer to nail other programs like alternative energy things, high-risk, high-payoff programs that are uh, a little bit uh, outside the norm. So I think you have the potential to, be, uh, to get uh, worse than that. So we've got to believe that they would... Let me jump ahead. I'm sorry, but there are no limits to crazy. Uh, the things that you hear and whatnot. Um, I wrote, I made this one up just a couple days ago. This is John Lear. Uh, for those of you who don't know, and I was over at his house a few months ago. Uh, this is based on some blogs that uh, just came out, and he said that um, I'm the next Phil class, which is kind of interesting because in the book I went back and counted. I got 43 cases, and I said these are real hard cases. Um, but uh, you know, if I believe John, we did not go to the Moon. Uh, there are submarine bases that are hundreds of miles. The Pacific Ocean actually probably comes under here, certainly under all the California and Nevada and whatnot that uh, he told me we got tunnels, that there's a new area 51 called Sandia. but there is already a Sandia, but not that one, and that what you do is you go to certain hotels in Las Vegas, and you go down, and you get in these tubes and zip 100 miles out to the work site. Um, Got some problems. and One of the things in, in watching these blurbs, really, a number of years ago, the... Uh, I'm on the Council of Society for Scientific Exploration. And we were meeting at Cornell, and because of that, we had Carl Sagan in. And he gave what I thought was one of the most amazing talks, Uh, really quite negative. And what he said, basically, is this is generally a a doctoral-level group who said, you know, it's okay for us educated people to talk about. We can't allow the masses out there because they don't have the critical thinking skills necessary to discern the information. And he sort of came up with, you know, my synthesis was that uh, freedom of speech might be, or would be the downfall of democracy. The more I'm looking at it, maybe he was right. I mean, some of these things on blogs are just unquestioned, are absolutely amazing. And my advice to the skeptics uh, who are out there is, don't do anything. You know, the UFO crowd will implode on its own. Uh, this is one that's always uh, kind of, as I said, a, a bestseller. Oh, I, I recently I, I had a woman uh, contact me who said she'd been attacked. And um, if I would just contact uh, the right people and stop the attack, she wouldn't go public with the information. My admonishment to all of you, if you think you're under attack or you think you've been abducted, do report it. And what I did is I put down here. Here's the FBI's contact number. You know the things that are being described do fall under these issues, which are in their purview. You know, public corruption, uh, domestic terrorism—certainly the kinds of things that are being described in. because you're trying to say, I mean, if I just do something about it, you know, she wouldn't report it. And I'm going repeatedly report. Do it. Um, it is a problem. So what do I think is needed? One of the biggest issues that we've got to deal with is removing the stigma. Um, That's the reason that a lot of scientists won't uh, do this. Uh, Linda asked me why I wrote the book now. (laughs) You know, I think one of the issues is, you know, I'm kind of impervious to it. I've got enough scars and things like this. I'm not moving up the food chain. Um, This is not something, you know, but for most people in here, Reporting UFOs in the military, in the scientific community, even acknowledgement of interest is not career enhancing. And and you can ask Chuck about this, because certainly in the Bentwaters case, there's some classic examples of uh, what happened there. But we really need to remove the stigma so that we can get people with the appropriate amount of brain power to look at them. You gotta understand the systems We probably need to step back. I've proposed something, and I keep throwing this out, and I put it in the book, and maybe some of you What I'm suggesting here is one of the things we need to do is rather than studying UFOs or near-death experiences or poltergeists or, you know, pick your phenomena, what we need to do is to get into a room and sit up there on a board and say, what do you see? What are the observations? And once you get that out there without any pejorative uh, delineation, then say, okay, you know, let's now do macro pattern analysis and see what evolves from this, because there are things that I think that are going to, you know, cross the uh, uh, many of these regimes. The main thing is, got to make it okay to study. Another thing on uh, secrecy, sorry. There is no secrecy policy across the board. Um, This is one where Bob Hastings and I agree, he wrote uh, UFOs and Nukes, highly recommended. One of the things that's interesting there is he names names, and people who came forward and said I was there, this is what happened. I still get this now, I don't know if I can do this or not. That is rumors, okay? Many people have come forward none of them have had adverse consequences other than the association with the field. But nobody's been taken to court, lost their clearances, uh, been charged with crimes or anything else for reporting UFO. I think what happens is that the investigators, certainly in the military from time to time, uh, they hear this, they come in, and they say, okay, interesting, don't talk about it. I tell the story uh, a few years back, uh, Rumsfeld had sent down a white, uh, what they call a snowflake. It says, are we winning, or or, how do we know if we're winning, talking about the global war on terror. And I got to sit in on some meetings at uh, uh, OSD staff level trying to wrestle with the question. And I read the promulgating documents, or were classified secret. And I looked at it, and I said, what is secret about this? And he said, they couldn't come by. He said, look, if this stuff is secret, the New York Times must be top secret. There's nothing here above common sense whatsoever. And the answer was, yeah, we know, but it's easier to classify everything than to try to figure out what needs to be really protected. There are things that ought to be protected. You're going to attack at certain places at noon tomorrow. You really need to protect that. There are technology sources and methods you need to protect. But this just blanket uh, protecting everything just makes no sense whatsoever and is one of the things that leads to the, um, uh, you know, conspiracy theories that are out there because nobody can refute it. Uh, this is a case I think you all know, or many of you will know, Milton Torres. He came out when... Uh, uh, Nick Pope, uh, well, the UK was actually releasing the reports. There were no, nothing found in the US. The reason I throw this one up is it talks about the impact of security. No doubt that this guy was threatened. Uh, came back, landed, and they said, thou shalt not talk ever again. And the way they, they, they his hearts and minds they had him by, if you do, we'll, he was a young pilot, we'll take your wings, which is, you know, fate worse than death for, for a pilot. So they didn't do it. So, so he was, remained silent until the UK was releasing the report. Nick Pope uh, is in reviewing him and calls the guy and says, hey, by the way, tomorrow you're going to be famous. He happens to live in Miami, and the press hit. point is that when you see, I've seen him talk several times, met him, he goes into tears every time that he has a chance to talk. And, and the point was that uh, he honored this uh, restriction, uh, and he said he always wanted to tell his father about the incident that he'd seen, that he'd seen a craft of this nature, and his father had since died and he didn't have the chance There's a huge emotional burden that goes with it. When you get to Roswell, let's understand, they got heavy-handed. I don't think there's any doubt that people got really quite uh, heavy-handed uh, at, on that and told them to. It. Here's a solution. When they were doing the uh, last report on Roswell, one of the things that Secretary Widenall did was to provide a statement that was read to everybody uh, who was uh, there uh, that was gonna testify and said, if you were sworn to secrecy, that is now waived. My win-win, no-cost solution is to have somebody like either Gates, uh, I've named three of them here, um, Jim Clapper is, uh, you know, the Director of National Intelligence, that would be a good source. Uh, Panetta, CIA, or Gates at the Secretary of Defense, do the same thing. Just come out and say, you know, all of those are waived, because I think there are some out there. I think that, you know, there were people who were told by low-level investigators don't talk. Waive that. <clears throat> no, I don't think they'll do it. Uh, just. Because it's not even on their scope. But the point is, this would be a no-cost, win-win uh, solution, and I'll guarantee you a lot of these stories about, uh, you know, the conspiracy hearing that people are going to be running for cover. Uh, I don't know if Steve's here. I use this one uh, as an example. This was a letter that went to Senator Brown this week, uh, <clears throat> but uh, as he knows, I took a exception to this because the letter line in there that says. It is not uncommon for representatives of U.S. military intelligence agencies to tell witnesses they will be killed. My admonition to them, give me one. And I've also told folks, if you got anything like that, come and see me and I'll help you go to court. You know, this is illegal, and I, frank, I frankly think it's part of the mythology and really not, uh, not happening. So, where are we today? Who cares? Uh, now I imagine the people in here tend to care a lot, but uh, for the general public, not a lot of folks. They're interested, but you need to distinguish between the differences between personal interest and institutional interest. No, we do that all the time in church. I mean, many of the people in, uh, across the government have religious affiliations. Uh, but they tend not to bring those in. Some do they influence uh, policy from time to time? Absolutely. But that does not become institutional policy. Um, Believing in UFOs and really caring about them, again, the general public believes in UFOs, but does not see this as something that's going to change their life. Uh, It's really not going to change their belief system. Again, one of the issues. Confirmation of what you already believe is not a paradigm shift. We, you know, I keep hearing that, you know, this is the greatest story out there, if it happened, you know, it's going to change everything. Yeah, not really. They, they are real, so what? What, do, what does that change? No, it doesn't change everything. Uh, hype and hyperbole is there, how to screw things up. There was a great thing, and I, this is one I want to talk to you about. I have talked to Jacques about it. But uh, three guys grabbed the gold ring, uh, got invited to Riyadh uh, for a conference. It was one panel in a conference on competitiveness that was being held in Saudi Arabia. Great. I mean, I, I've got to imagine the contacts you could make at a situation like that are phenomenal. But. Well, we started all of a sudden, we started in the UFO community says, you know, that uh, Clinton touched on UFOs. No, he didn't. Clinton was at an international UFO convention. That is not the convention. It was one meeting, and they thought they were being really outside the loop. The the idea was, gee, are the things we can learn from people who have, you know, thought about these things in a a good way. As you know, Stan uh, Friedman, was one of the people, Jacques Vallée, uh, Nick Pope was there, Michio Kaku. Uh, as I say, that, that, that one was the no doubt the gold ring of that. But you know, the conspiracy theorists have now said, aha, the Saudis are trying to grab UFOs uh, for their thing. And uh, you want to hear, I mean, you know. What has happened with the FOIA requests? Um, what happened in, inside the intelligence agency a long time ago they got inundated requests, spent so much time uh, looking for the data that they finally said, screw this, we'll put a filter on, so if reports come in and say UFO, you know, it goes out. You know, we won't even allow it in the files. Uh, and by the way, from the UK, this happened, and, and they finally, as you know, this last fall, shut down their system, they did have people who were studying the project, or the, this topic, And one of the things they did is they finally just shut it down and said, no, we're tired of, you know, all of the FOIA requests uh, coming in. So I think we've, um, you know, these FOIA requests have uh, killed the goose. Conclusion, Uh, UFOs are a global phenomenon. And in my view, that the reality is proven beyond all doubt. There are massive uh, amounts of data supporting the reality uh, of UFOs. And despite that, the reality is rejected by most scientists. And this gets back to the issue of one of the things we've got to do is to make it okay for scientists to engage in this area without being it detrimental to their career. Public, generally, interested, but ambivalent. Uh, and the media, of course, ridicules. Uh, one of the things I get all the time is, uh, I love it when I get young reporters on there, and I said, you know, because they've always got to, if this will throw in the countervening, so I said, well, um, I'll bet you believe that there's two sides to every story, which they immediately fall into. Yes, I'll say, give me the positive attributes of genocide. No, there are certain things that are just right and wrong. And we need to, you know, need to be dealt with that way. Not everything is two-sided, you don't own that. But the, overall, the, today's problems certainly uh, take priorities. And moving UFOs to a front-burner national thing, uh, do not expect a presidential uh, proclamation at all. Don't care what you think of or him, he ain't stupid, okay? And I think he knows that touching the UFO topic is absolutely toxic. I've put in two, Dennis Kucinich, to take it. One you probably don't know is Claiborne Pell, who was a personal friend of mine. And one of the things that frankly pissed me off uh, he was interested in uh, UFOs and a number of phenomena. He actually went by a MUFON conference once. The Washington Post, in his obituary, you know, denigrated him because of interest in the... I mean, this stuff literally follows you to your grave. Where does this fit in, uh, let say, the POTUS priority list? You know, certainly working on the economy, we got wars, healthcare, and I don't know, I kind of made up this number, but down there, 1,600,000 and some thousand is the, you know, then we'll start thinking of UFOs. Point here, Today's problems are eating their lunch. Do not expect, you know, to see politicians step up and say It is not, not a voting issue. In fact, I talk about some hearings. I think I mentioned this when I I met with a congressman who wanted to have them. My first question was, can you take a 20-point hit in the polls? And that's about what it would take. It is not a good thing for retaining um, your job. As I say, if, if your ET is around uh, and they have it, then, then they really blew it because, you know, is ever going to get around to it sooner or later? Later has come. The world is hot, hot crowded, and crowded. The rescue ship did not arrive. This notion of, you know, we need new energy systems, and I'll argue in favor of high risk, high payoff, alternative energy systems, we need to be putting a lot more research into it. But if I had this breakthrough today, Let's understand, if you had a UFO, or ARV as they call it, it ain't about little widgets flying around. It's about energy and understanding an alternative energy system that would change things. But if I had that today, it will take you two to three decades to get that into the system. We haven't got two to three decades. Better start bailing. Uh, I had this one, if you want to find the government, Reports are out there, I know all the heat you're going to take and all that, but if you write down this one uh, website, this a DOD one, but they actually go into all of the other agencies and you can get all of the reports uh, that you would uh, like to have. <clears throat> As I mentioned, there's uh, a lot of questions that I do answer in the book, like what happened at Holloman, Not with anything. what was in Hangar 18, that one's uh, kind of interesting. Um, and the final words of the, of the book, just so you know where I where I end up, says, uh, "In the end, it's clear that the universe is far more complex than we ever imagined. We are not close to solving the enigmas posed by UFOs; rather, we're on the front end, defining fundamental issues and boundaries." As I said, for ET, rescue ships did not arrive. So we all better start uh, bailing. Well, why did that? Mm. Ah, it missed it. The, the other one, you know, some of